Amen. Amen. Can you believe it's already Christmas time? And I'll admit, this Christmas, for some reason, the lights shine a little less bright. The gifts have little less importance. So we think about maybe Christmases of the past, when times were better, when there was no pandemic, there was no economic crash, there was no division that much. And I know in my family, we'll admit, we celebrate Christmas full on. We buy several gifts for the kids, um, you know, lights and everything. We go full out. And, um, but we know, we know what it is when you buy so many kids, so many gifts, sorry, for the kids, that by the time they open gift number four, they already forgot gift number one. We know what it is when you buy gifts for the kids and they're more interested in the box than the actual toy. Sometimes you watch your whole thing fall out, like, and, and it has to be the 25th in the morning, we go on the tree, open the gifts and all of that. And then you see, you can see that the toy, he's already dead, it's already gone, it's already finished, because the kid, ah, and then they let it go. But this year, we're not doing all of that. This year, we're trying to find the right gift. And I know I have my share of mistakes. One time, I bought my son, which is a very intelligent kid, I bought him a great, great gift. It's the best gift I ever got anybody in the world. And then, so it's, he gets excited and he opens the box and it's a book. He was six years old. He didn't want a book, he wanted a toy. And I'm sure when you, when you, I'm sure when you go and you look for a gift, you get excited because you try to find the right gift for the person and you see when you get them the right gift, they get joyful, they get excited and, 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 and you, you fulfilled your mission to find them the right gift. But it's hard sometimes, especially in this season, to find the exact right gift for the right person. And this year we decided we're not doing 10,000 gifts, just doing just a few and those that matter. And this, today I want to talk to you about knowing what to look for, knowing what to look for. Open your Bibles with me, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 11. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, my God from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with them. When he had called together all the people, chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are no, by no means least among the rulers of Judah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went out on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped 
over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. God's word is already blessed. You see, in a time before there were skyscrapers, before there were street lights, before there was cars and cell phones, when you looked up in the sky, you could see like a million stars. As a matter of fact, nobody knows how many stars we can really see. Um, it's like there's like one in a million. If you would think about the Maga and they would be looking up and looking at the sky, and how are you able to identify a star that is one in a million? But for those of us who have been able to go to camp and you look up in the sky, you see there's so many stars. Scientists uh, try to evaluate how many they are. Some say there's 2,000 stars that we can see in the human eye. We all know there's billions and billions of stars. But those that we can see with our own naked eye, even some say there's 2,000, some say there's 5,000. Some even say there's up to 10,000 stars that you can see in, in, the, in the night sky. So how does it how does it happen that they're able to identify one star? And, and it's hard to tell. Uh, scientists are trying to determine the natural causes of how one star could shine so bright that it eclipses everything else. As a matter of fact, 2020 this year being extraordinary in so many ways. After this, that tomorrow, um, was it? December 21st, there's going to be what they call a Christmas star, which is a special alignment of planets where the Earth is going to be aligned with Saturn, that's going to be aligned with Jupiter, and Saturn and Jupiter are going to be so close together that from our standpoint, they're going to look as if they are one, and they're going to be the brightest item in the night sky, and some people think that it's a Christmas star, that that's what happened the, on Christmas night, and ironically, right before this Christmas, this event is going to happen again. Now, we don't know really what happened. Was it an alignment of planets? Was it just an angel showing the way? But what we do know is that God was in control of those events, and what we know is that the Magi they were looking for the star. They were looking for something, and they, when they saw it, they acted. It says, verse, verse 1 and verse 2 says, We saw his star. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, my God from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So there's a few things that are very interesting here. Number one, they're called my guys, uh, wise men we call them, and those would have been scholars, um, people who study, they study scripture, they study the heavens, they study a lot, and um, they would be advisors to kings. Actually, they would call them king makers in, in, in those countries, especially Persia, where, where most scholars think they come from. They would have been, before you can enthrone a king, they would have had to give the authorization. They were the kingmakers of the time. They were the wise men. They would advise 
kings on, on, on different matters. And we see that in the book of Daniel when, when King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and he doesn't know what to think of the dream. He gets the, the wise men and the, um, the high level people to try to interpret the dream and only Daniel can do it because only Daniel had the spirit of God on him at, at that point to be able to, to advise the king in certain matters. So these wise men from the east, they were looking for something. They were studying the stars. And uh, and let's say if it was an event like this one, the last time that they had a Christmas star like this was 400 years ago in 1623, I believe. And the next time after that is going to be 60 years from now. So it's really a once-in-a-lifetime event. So they had been looking at the sky probably all their life. But when they saw the star, they took action. It says, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. This year, there's so many things getting our attention. There's a pandemic, there's a crash, there, and maybe there's some. Um, you're successful, maybe you're not successful. There's so many different distractions um, getting our attention. But I want to tell you, there's something that rises above all of this. There's an item that, there's a star that shines brighter than all of these, and then we're, we're celebrating, now they call it the holidays, but there's something, there's a holiday that rises above all other holidays, and we call it Christmas. But it's not because it's just a, a, a holiday we spend a lot of money, or, or we go see family, we say peace, love, joy. It's a holiday that we celebrate because Right in the middle, we say Merry Christmas. Right in the middle is Christ, is Jesus Christ. And they have come not because it was just a star. It's because the star was leading them to someone. And they were looking for that person so that they could worship him. And so there's many distractions, but I want you to take a moment and just focus on, on, on what matters this, this season, which is Jesus Christ. When they saw the star, they came to worship him. When they saw the star, they cared enough, they cared enough to come and worship him. And maybe you find yourself alone this holiday. Maybe you find yourself, you were looking for something. And sometimes when we look for peace, when we look for joy, we look in the wrong places. Sometimes we look for these things in alcohol. Sometimes we look for these things in drugs. Sometimes we look for these things in relationships that don't work, in relationships that don't matter. Because we're seeking a connection. We're seeking to be filled. You know, Christmas is about peace, love, joy, generosity, all those good things. And these things are good. But these things, they come from somewhere. They come from somewhere. It's just not in the air. And when, the, when the, the, the wise men saw the star, they knew that that star would lead them to the person that can provide all of these things. And sometimes we think of the wise men as like three guys that came and they had like a couple of backpacks and gifts in, in, in their backpack. But the, the Bible says that when they got in Jerusalem, Herod was disturbed and all Jerusalem was disturbed with him. So I think when they came, they didn't come just three guys uh, with a little backpack. That would not make anything. So if you guys remember the movie Aladdin, when Aladdin is trying to impress the princess, he has the genie to make him a prince. And then they go in the city and it creates a commotion and it gets everybody's attention. 
And so when the wise men came into the city, they had, in my opinion, an entourage. They had fortune. They had success. They were powerful men so much that they attracted the attention of the king. And he was so disturbed that he started making a plot to kill the king of the Jews. And so what I want to bring your attention to is I don't care how successful you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how much power you have. If you don't have Christ, you don't have anything. If you don't seek him, you don't have anything. And so when they came, even with all their success, even with all their money, they were advising king. They were rich. But that wasn't enough. That was paling in comparison to what they were looking for. And they were looking for the king of the Jews, the Messiah, the savior of the world. The Bible says, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, but then lose their soul? So you can go into that right race and, and go up in your company and then you do your own business and you're running around and doing all that stuff. And now you're starting making money and you're making money, you're balling. But if you don't have Christ, you don't have Jack. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you don't have anything. And they understood that. And that's why when they saw the star, when they saw the opportunity, they went for it. But you know what's the saddest part of that Christmas story? Is that these people, the wise men, they were not Jews. But yet, they were seeking the king of the Jews. They were from a different land and they, they traveled a long journey of months and months of traveling to be able to meet the king of the Jews. And when they got into Jerusalem, somehow they lost the star and they're, they're asking for, for direction again. And, and guess what Herod did? Herod went to the scholars and started asking them questions. So they were able to say where the Messiah was going to be born, but they did not recognize the time that it was when the Messiah came. So they, did, they, they advised Herod, but then they went back home. And they did not see what was right in front of them, the Savior of the world that they had been waiting for for 4,000 years. That they had been waiting for a Messiah. Sometimes you can have something right in front of you and you miss it. Sometimes you can have a blessing right in front of you and you miss it. Here in America, there's a song that says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, the Christmas season. And I believe that. But for some people, it's the saddest time of the year. The saddest time of the year. Not because only of loneliness, there's a lot of people that are lonely during that time. But it's the saddest time of the year because day in, day out, in Christmas songs, in, in, in services, you hear the message of the gospel. You hear the message that Jesus came down from heaven and came to save you. But what good is it that Jesus came to save you if when you hear it and then you turn your back and you go away? And the fact that Jesus came did not serve the priests, that they knew all of those information, but they did not act, they did not come. Well, maybe you already know the Savior, maybe you know the Savior, but this has been a pandemic, church has been closed. Maybe on your journey towards him, on your journey to know him, maybe you lost your way. And, and, and the wise men, when they were in Jerusalem and they were talking to everybody, Guess what? They lost track of the star. They couldn't see the star anymore. 
But then verse 10 tells us, after Herod lets them go, that verse 10 tells them, verse 10 tells them, they saw the star again. It says, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They stepped out, and, and, and as they went back on their journey, the star came again. And that's why I don't think that it was a natural event, because if it was a natural event, it would have came, it would have passed, it would have been gone. It was a supernatural event because God was guiding them to his son. And there's been some supernatural events in your life where God is trying to guide you to his son. Maybe you even getting this broadcast happened by accident, but it's not an accident. It's God guiding you to his son. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. They were ecstatic. They were, oh, because when they saw the star, they were full of joy. But you know, it's, you know why they were full of joy? They were full of joy because they knew who they were looking for. They knew who they were going to. It wasn't just, there's was like hundreds of thousands of babies born. But that baby wasn't just like any other baby. That, that, that baby is the savior of the world. So when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And maybe you're here, and, and yes, you, you know Christ, and you gave your life to, to Him years ago, but along the way, you lost your joy. Along the way, you lost your peace. Along the way, you lost your love. And you can try to get it here and there, you can try, but sometimes maybe you try to fill it with career or not, but I want to tell you, when you see the star again, when you see him again, the Bible calls Jesus the bright, shining morning star. When you see him again, when you reconnect with him, he can give you joy. And, and I'm going to tell you, there's no year like this year. Because this year, if your, 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 your peace of mind, if your happiness depended on your situation, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. And that's the difference between happiness and joy. Happiness depends on your happenings, but joy comes from within. It comes from the presence of Christ in your heart. And if you reconnect with Him, you can have that joy. You can have that joy again. And you see that they knew who they were going to because when they found Him, verse 11, when they found Him, it says, when they saw the child on coming into the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Now you notice that it doesn't say they bowed down and worshipped them. They weren't worshipping Joseph. They weren't worshipping the donkey. They weren't worshipping Mary. They were worshipping him. Now there's only one person that is worthy of worship. There's only one person that is deserving of our worship. There's only one being worthy of worship, and that's God. And that's God Almighty. So they knew that the child in the manger was not, was not just only a child, but he was God incarnate in flesh. It was God coming down into our situation. Because we got ourselves in trouble, he came down. And they knew 
who they were looking at, when they saw him, they knew they were seeing the eyes of God. They were seeing the presence of God, so they bowed down and worshiped him. You can see in scripture, sometimes they try to bow down and worship a man. The man says, no, don't worship me. No, 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 get up, get up. And when they start, and John, the apostle, he starts worshiping the angel, a mighty, powerful angel. The angel says, no, get up, get up. I'm only a brother like you. I'm only a servant like you. But when the wise men see Jesus, they worship him. When Thomas sees Jesus at the end of the book of John, and he, he and he says, he said to the other other apostles, uh, if I don't, I don't, you guys say he's risen from the dead, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Unless I put my fingers in his wounds, I will not believe you. And a week later, Jesus shows up in the room where, where they're gathered, and he says, Tom, come in. Put your fingers in my side, where he, he had been pierced. Put your fingers, look at my wounds. And when Thomas sees Jesus, he bows down, and he says, my Lord and my God. Because baby in the manger, he's just not any other baby. He is God that came down. And he came down to save us. And you see that they knew who he was in the gifts that they brought for him. You know, I gave my son a book. That was the wrong gift. He was a kid. For a kid, you give him a gift for a kid. You give him a toy. But when they came to Jesus, to the child, they gave him gifts that are different. The first gift that they gave him, they gave him a gift of gold. It says, so second part of verse B says, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When you have the gift of gold, gold is a gift for kings. That's what you give a king because he is the, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And it's funny because they looked at the night sky and they saw a star that was bright. But the fact that they were able to look up is because heaven looked down first. And when heaven looked down, <clears throat> heaven saw darkness. Heaven saw darkness. So the compassionate king, we serve a king, but we serve a king that is kind. So he sent light into the darkness. He sent Jesus into the darkness. And that's, and Jesus come and he is the ruler. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The second gift is frankincense. Frankincense was the incense that they were using in the temple when they were bringing prayers before God. And understand this, that so Jesus coming, he is also the high priest. The high priest, the job of the high priest is to represent the people before God, is to pray for the people before God. And so that when God wants to destroy, the high priest can say, no, don't destroy, and then and offer prayers to God. But the third gift is myrrh. Myrrh is, is very special because it's used in incense, but it's also a painkiller. It's something that you give when, when there's the other toothache. You take myrrh and it takes away the pain. But more importantly, it's also embalming fluid. That's what you use to embalm a dead person. So why would you give a parent of a newborn embalming fluid? It's because that child was born to die. Jesus came, but he came to die. Because yes, he is the king. Yes, he is the, the priest, but he is also the sacrifice. When the priest says to God, no, don't touch them, 
the priest takes an animal and cuts the throat of the animal and says, see, the animal died instead of them. So when Jesus came, he says, you know what? You cannot take an eternal problem, the problem of sin, and solve it with an animal, with the blood of sheep and the blood of oxen. So I'm going to come, and I'm eternal, so I'm going to give myself as the eternal sacrifice for mankind. And he gave himself as the eternal sacrifice so that now when the wrath of God comes, it doesn't come on us because it came on him at the cross. So I don't care what you did in your past. I don't care what sins you committed in the past. If you come to Christ this time, he will take away your burden. The Bible says that the punishment that brings us peace was upon him. So whatever guilt that you feel, whatever horrible thing that you might have done in the past, come to Christ and he will take away that sin because he is the sacrifice. He is the sacrifice. And you see in John chapter 19 verse 39, it tells us, that Nicodemus, when they took the body of Jesus, they embalmed it with myrrh and aloe. The wise men knew who they were meeting. Yes, he was a king. Yes, he's a prick. Yes, he was a priest. But he is the sacrifice that gives us peace. You see, in um, this year, I got my son a drum. And I'm thinking he's gonna have, he loved it, he's gonna have a lot of fun. And in a matter of two hours, the drum was lost. And then we found it, but it's on the roof. And I knew he couldn't fix it, I'm gonna have to fix it. Because his mess now became my mess. And I wanna tell you this morning that your mess is now Christ's mess. That's what we call it, Christmas. Hebrew 4 verse 14, 16 says, Hebrews 14, 6 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach the throne of God with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So this morning I want to invite you to come to him.